0: Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Gawler
1: Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawler and over the past few weeks we have been on a bit of an adventure in Navigating the Cancer Maze and judging from some of the feedback from listeners that comes in on the email, you're finding the program to be exceptionally helpful. Um, As we've said before, the program is based on my 38 years experience with more than 14,000 patients, and it's a lot of the wisdom from those patients that I have been able to collate and present in this program. So uh, during the past four episodes, we've explored More of the psycho-oncology side of managing cancer. A very important side to discover, as we talked about last week when we looked at the pie chart, and the percentages of influence that various things that you can do uh, can have an influence on the outcome of your cancer. So in today's show, we are going to take after the break, after our first break, a slightly more practical approach to navigating the cancer maze, just so that you can achieve best outcomes so we discussed personalized cancer medicine on our first program uh, with Dr. Jacob, or Jakob, as it said in German, which was on the first show in this series. Now Dr. Jakob is a medical director at the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic, which is in the Black Forest in Germany, and they're one of the world leaders in personalized cancer medicine in particular. Now, one of the things that they use at that clinic, which Dr. Yakub spoke about, was genetic testing. So today, we have a wonderful opportunity to take a more in-depth look at this new patient-centered personalized model. And so after the break, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Ray Hammond. Now, Dr. Hammond, that's H-A-M-M-O-N, is from Dallas in Texas, And he's going to share with us his experience with genetic testing for cancer patients. He's had quite a deal, a long experience, in fact, in using these particular tests. And he's going to talk about how patients can access these tests in the USA and perhaps globally as well. And... By doing this, he's going to enable and empower patients to navigate that cancer maze just um, with a little more, say, informed choice because genetic testing is something that today is uh, very much out in the popular press. And the test that we'll be talking about is the RGCC test, which is based in Greece but has a global outreach. And it's also a test that uh, we use here at the clinic in Australia because the Halvan Clinic, where we refer many patients, actually uses the test for uh, putting together a diagnostic pathway. So that's coming up after the first break, and we're going to um, put some questions to Dr. Hammond. And uh, if you have any questions, perhaps you'd like to email them in, um, or maybe we could even take some calls on this. But before we speak with Dr. Ray, let's just revise a little bit from the show's theme to this point Uh, If you've just joined the show, I'd invite you to listen to the previous shows. They're archived on the sidebar, that's where you'll find them, of the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, next to my name, Grace Gawler, and Navigating the Cancer Maze. I've had a few people say they weren't able to find them, so um, that's where you'll find all of the shows. And... What I'm hoping to do for you as, as patients, partners or people who have friends with cancer is to be able to um, perhaps download these and use them as a resource for the future because it may be that you're not dealing with cancer today or that someone you know is not but these will be a very valuable resource for you in the future. So in in brief, uh, for those of you who haven't uh, joined us before, we'll just do a very, very brief review. We looked at a three stages of healing model, which is one that I created back in the late 80s, early 90s. And that three stages model, stage one, two, and three, really denotes where you are on the healing timeline. Now, um, the stage one is more about lots of things to do. Um, it might be running all over town and getting acupuncture here and massage there and uh, another kind of alternative treatment here, going to conventional medicine. It's a very busy, very busy time and it's the time when you can get the most stressed. Uh, the second stage is the stage that I've called the will to heal and that stage is when things settle down, you start to make choices, desperation and panic um, disappears um, as best it can during that particular time. And you become more centered. In other words, you start to chart your course and you're not taken off course easily by people that come along and say, this is the next best cancer cure that's on offer. You should try it because that's one of the things that anchors people back into the stage one, which can be a very, very stressful stage for people, particularly if you're doing it alone. Um, it can be an enormously stressful stage. Then we get to the stage three, and the stage three is actually looking at um, a more meaningful uh, approach to life. You've probably had a bit of a shock. You're starting to reassess things. You're making some powerful choices, and you're feeling empowered in your own life. And while you're in this stage, which is a very good stage to be in, because we said um, last week, this is the stage where people say, I'm just content, I feel peaceful with my choices, I know where I'm going, I'm happy to live with cancer until I die. If I don't die from it, well, that's okay, I might die from something else. Um, so it's a much more easeful path, and I call this uh, living life as a martial art path. So more easeful a few of the other reminders that fit into that three stages model just briefly one not getting stressed while trying to de-stress two And making good choices from a well-informed position, we talked about that last week, how to sort of sort out the wheat from the chaff in the decision-making process, that can make a huge difference to your outcome. And when you're making good choices, you're in stage two or or stage three usually, because you're not making them from a fear and panic and desperation base, you're making those choices from a focused and centred place. Opening your personal bank account is another one, and we'll call that your personal health restoration bank account and to which you make deposits daily because you'll get credit at the end of the week and credit at the end of the month. And then when any life crisis do appear, that you'll have something in your bank account from which you can withdraw so that you have the energy for it. Um, cancer is often quite the opposite of that, and we sometimes call it psychological, physical, emotional bankruptcy. So take the time to make your wise choices. We've talked about time gaps, so pop back and have a look at that. Um, avoid information overload is another big one, and that 's where Dr Internet can really create a lot of problems for you. People go off researching and we said last week you can 't be all of these things you can 't be an oncologist, a molecular biologist, um, a surgeon, a cancer specialist, etc. So you do have to know what you know and also know what you don 't know and be able to take those questions to well-informed and people that you trust, well-informed health professionals. Um, dealing with past issues, we touched on last week, and I've had some nice feedback um, on the email from patients who found that particularly useful. It seems like forgiveness is a really big issue for people out there dealing with cancer. Um, If you can do the forgiveness side of things to your satisfaction, it certainly is a big deposit in your emotional bank account uh, towards your recovery. Uh, When you are dealing with these things, it, it really appears like you use up a lot of energy Um, which could be actually turned into energy for healing at the end of the day. So when you're dealing with it on a on an ongoing level, it's about kind of uh, a holding in of energy and when you can do the forgiveness work for yourself that works. And notice I say it's got to work for you and not for someone else who um, thinks they're helping you with forgiveness, but it's not working. We might do another session um, on this, and I might actually devote a segment and do an interview with someone because because it seems like that is a very big issue. Now, um, based on the questions that are coming in on the email, I'd just like to go through a, a few of these with you again this week before we go for our break and talk with Dr. Ray Hammond. So a lady from Texas writes that she has a condition that's not cancer, but precancerous, according to her surgeon and her gastroenterologist. She says she's got an inherited polyp syndrome. They want to take out most of her large colon. And is there anything she can do or anyone that she could see for this condition who might be able to give her some better options? And then she says, have you had experience of this before? And please help with several exclamation marks um I have had experience with this before and only recently, in fact last year, we've had a patient who's had a stunning result. Now this condition is called familial polyposis and it is an inherited condition and um, it gives you a predisposition to developing bowel cancer. So they like to keep a watch on this pretty closely and for this particular lady um, who came to see us last year, she now has a polyp. Free colon. She's had several uh, colonoscopies and at last her gastroenterologist said, I don't know what you're doing, but we'd better talk about it. So, one of the things that uh, really helped for this lady was high dose EPA fish oil. And there's quite a lot in the literature about this helping with polyposis. Now, there's other things that can be added into that too. And she also looked at her psychology. She looked at the amount of stress in her life. Um, she really had a major turnaround and, and did a lot of work on that. She's actually might be available for an interview for this program, so um, we'll check that out because I think she could be very helpful to you, JoAnna, who lives in Texas. You can also. Um, write back to me because I wasn't kind of clear on a lot of your details and I will be able to give you some directions of who to see and we may even be able to um, find out something today from Dr Hammond because I'm sure he's encountered this condition before. a number of people have written to me in the past week, also, who have had viral conditions in the past, HPV and herpes, wondering whether it has anything to do with their cancer situation. And once again, I think we're going to devote a segment of the program to this. In short, the answer is yes, but what you can do about it is the next um, is the next thing. And if we have time at the end of Dr. Ray's segment, I think this is going to be a very good question to actually add in for him so we're about to go for a break on navigating the cancer maze and we will be back after the break and we will be talking with dr. Ray Hammond who is from Dallas in Texas and he comes with quite a history of functional and integrated medicine so he's going to be sharing information about genetics cancer and the RGCC test which he's been using for some years. So we will be back after the break. Your life,
2: your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's
0: Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490 7443 zero-743-964240.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness you are tuned into
0: navigating the cancer maze with your host grace goller we'd love to hear from you today on our program please call us toll free from north america at 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegahler.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze.
1: And we're back with navigating the cancer maze, and we're going to navigate that maze now, as I said earlier, with our very special guest today, Dr. Ray Hammond from Dallas in Texas. Hello, Ray.
3: Hello. Good afternoon.
1: Good, good. Dr. Ray is actually a chiropractic physician, a homeopath, and naturopathic medical doctor, clinical nutritionist, licensed in three states, and he's been in multidisciplinary practice for about the last 13 years. Um, in fact, since 1999, he's been offering chiropractic medicine, naturopathy, homeopathy, acupuncture, and multiple intravenous therapies. Uh, Dr. Ray's clinic was the first. In North and South America to start using the RGCC Onco test in early 2004. And the clinic's been responsible for performing over 500 tests to date. They have a great referral system. Many doctors throughout North America who use the RGCC labs and the test. And we'll be talking about how you can get in touch with those doctors towards the end of the program. So welcome Dr. Ray and, uh, We might get into asking you some questions straight away, I think.
3: Uh, That sounds Um, good. I hope I'm ready.
1: (laughs) Good, good. Um, So, look, the RGCC test um, does have several levels of investigation and and capability for delivering information for patients. And uh, maybe you could tell us what useful information can be gleaned from this data from the test. How can it actually be used?
3: Well, it has several uses. A uh, lot of what we do is we, we will first do the test, uh, you know, something along the lines of what we call the onco count or Oncotrace, and that lets us see if there's actually any circulating uh, cancer stem cells or circulating cancer tumor cells. So that's usually the first place we go, and that <clears throat> we have people that would come in with lumps or bumps or concerns with family history, of strong family history of cancer, and something may not feel right so they will do what we call a screening type test to see if anything is there and so that's one application and then the if there is something in the bloodstream and the patient wishes to go further to more personalize and individualize what we would be able to work with them uh, uh, with their cancer would be to go into what we call the TU profiling type test which you know will give us more of the nutritionals and chemo drugs and uh, tumor-related genes, things like that. And I don't know how detailed you want me to go, but it's used a lot as a screening device because one of the first places we'll see tumors actually begin to show up is in the bloodstream, believe it or not, much earlier because anything it only has to be over 2 millimeters, 1 to 2 millimeters, and it has to have access to the bloodstream at that point in order to continue to grow. So very small tumors can be found way ahead of the curve if it's found even earlier than what we would expect by doing full-body CT uh, scans and so forth with no radiation and no uh, no uh, contrast or anything like that. So that's, that's where uh, this test also really makes a difference.
1: Fantastic. I'm sure this is really uh, useful information for listeners because... Early detection is one of the really big issues out there, and cancer holds so much fear for so many people. Um, What encouraged you in the first place to to do the test, and how did you become involved?
3: Well, actually, we had started working real strongly with cancer probably about 11 years ago. We have been certified to do what they call IPT, and we were doing it for a short period of time, probably about a year, and we... yeah, we, we were getting what one would consider good results, but what I was missing was how to actually not use a, a run-of-the-mill, one-shoe-fits-all type of program based on the statistics that have been collected on the cancers, because when we would go look at this in the, in the textbooks, it, you know, it would show that this drug or this combination of drugs for this particular cancer would work approximately 45%. And to me, that just doesn't sound that well. But fortunately, IPT is a much better way of, if you're going to do chemo, in my opinion, is a much better way to do it because you're not doing such high doses. So we got involved from that standpoint uh, of looking for something a little more uh, personalized so we could actually design a program for the patient. So uh, what we have done... What we did was I had received an email from Dr. Papastoria from Greece, and I responded, and we started communicating, and we started utilizing his test pretty much right off the bat. And that's how we got involved in it. it was looking for a way to really, truly design, at this point in time, one of the best personalized programs that you can do for cancer, cancer care.
1: Fantastic. So you've talked a little bit about circulating tumor cells and circulating tumor stem cells. So when the test actually um, happens, how, how is that information used and, and how can that help people navigate the cancer maze?
3: Well, again, there, there is no such thing as a normal circulating cancer stem cell. This is kind of a misnomer. They will have a ten- tendency of showing up and they may go away and then show up again. But the thing about the stem cells is that by the time they get in the bloodstream and survive, these stem cells are extremely what we call plastic. They can change. They can, they can adjust things. They mutate these genes that they have to allow them to grow faster, metastasize quicker, all those sort of things. So whenever you're dealing with you know with that type of problem, You want to find out as soon as you can and then find out the exact mechanisms that are known as, you know, the uh, the, uh, immunophenotyping, what type of cells they are, what they're doing, and then find out more information so that you can truly, you know, organize a program for that individual patient.
1: So this is a really big part of personalized cancer medicine, isn't it?
3: Yes, very much, especially in ours and the doctors that have started using it throughout the United States, Canada, and even North Central America down in Mexico. They're beginning to catch on that this is really the way to do a truly personalized program.
1: So, uh, Dr. Ray, given that the test's been available in Europe now for about 10 years, I think, Um, Who else in the USA is involved with these kinds of tests? Um, Are are oncologists supporting it? Are there any American cancer centers doing this kind of work?
3: Well, unfortunately, to the extent uh, that the RGCC uh, lab is doing, no. But they are looking at it. I mean, there's uh, Mass General, Sloan Catering, uh, University of uh, Texas down at uh, MD Anderson is also using it, uh, Dana-Farber out of Boston. So these comp- these groups and, and major universities are looking at ways to use this. The problem is, is actually to get the cells out of the blood sample you get and to not hurt them, not, you know, get what you want. And this is where I believe uh, the RGCC lab has really uh, developed a, a, a very extensive and uh, dependable program because they do uh, they get rid of everything that they do not want in the blood, so all that's left really is the actual cancer cells. And then you have to take those cancer cells and grow them. And this is a problem, and I think one of the big problems is that, uh, you know, Dr. Papstoria has a, uh, uh, he has a patent on the cell culture that allows the cells to grow without changing their genetics without changing any of their immunophenotyping or any of that which is something that none of the other companies, none of the other hospitals could do to allow him to do the extensive testing that he does.
1: Wow, that's quite fantastic. It's probably a, um, a good time now, Dr. Ray, too, to share some background on the founder of RGCC. You know, what motivates him and um, how did he come up with this test?
3: Well... Since he is a MD and a PhD in genetics, he obviously, uh, he had a lot of his training in Germany, and uh, he is Greek by nationality. But uh, I think what motivated him was just like a lot of researchers. It was to, to really learn more about this disease, which seems to be increasing at a, at a very alarming rate, almost like a, a pandemic, almost. So he got involved doing that. And, uh, over the years, over the eight and a half years, uh, he, I found him to be extremely helpful. He's, he's, a, he's, uh, very brilliant and very dedicated to his work. But at the same time, he has an open mind to listen and, and then to, to make improvements where they're necessary. And so that's, that's good for a scientist to be able to do that. And then also having, uh, what I think is probably the best of the best tests available. So, over the years, uh, we have met, uh, my wife and I had gone to Greece last year, and we spent a week there, and just about, you know, we were in the lab often, but I spent about a day and a half inside the lab, actually with the molecular biologist and the biochemist and everybody who he has in the lab, <clears throat> and they were showing me the testing, and then I actually had to perform some of the tests on my very own patients that I had sent over before I went over. So it was very uh, a, a very good learning uh... situation and i really gained a lot of appreciation to the way they test the care they take and the way they do like triple testing to make sure that everything they do is accurate and most i mean most universities don't will not repeat a test three times so
1: well wow. <laughs> that's uh... that's quite a testimonial um, In relation to the tests, uh, why use blood and not tissue? What's the difference?
3: One of the problems that that you run into uh, when you start using uh, tissues is the tissues have a a problem with uh, uh, a variety of cells because when you do do the sampling on a biopsy, you can't just take out the cancer cells. And like I mentioned earlier, the, the ideal is to get only the cells you want to actually look at and this is uh, much easier in blood than it is separating out. However, uh, uh, the RGCC lab is better, I believe, at doing that, and then they will grow the cells because we have sent biopsy uh, material over because that's all that was available, and that uh, was, you know, taken out, and, and then everything was grown and tested, and we were able to design a program for those as well. But there's less distortion there's less problems with what we call uh, stroma cells and all these things which cause a lot of problem when you start. They, they make, uh, I guess you could say, like molecular noise. And they can distort what you may think you're finding and make it a little more difficult to be real, real accurate. So that's why he likes the blood. And since most of the cancers, even at stage 1, we even have some that, that I mean, well, at least stage 1 minimum is already in the bloodstream I would say the largest majority it's already there so that's one of the issues
1: yeah I mean this is really breakthrough cancer medicine uh, at its best and i guess it's going to be a while before the establishment um in insurers and so forth take up this test which means it's not going to be so easy for um for patients perhaps to get support from their oncologists but we might talk a little bit more later about that okay. and i know you have a a large referral system throughout uh, the usa yes. and uh we will get people uh, to email us or to go to your website which by the way is w www.rgcusa.com and it's all lowercase. Now, let so me make we,
3: correction. it's rgcusa.
1: Rgcusa.com. Yep. Dot yep. com. Okay, and you'll find that on the sidebar also in the archive. Uh, There's a little bio about today's program in that sidebar. You'll find that on the page for Navigating the Cancer Maze, Grace Gawler. And we are about to go to a break and we will be back with Dr. Ray Hammond very soon.
2: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the
0: heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490 7443
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegahler.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze.
1: Welcome back from the break. Here we are navigating the cancer maze. In fact, we're navigating the genetic cancer maze at the moment with Dr. Ray Hammond. So um, we've heard quite a lot about the test in the previous uh, session. Um, Perhaps we could talk a little bit, Dr. Ray, about cancer survival. This is always a really tricky area. Um, It's an area that many people obviously are interested in. Um, And sometimes by talking about survival, it can actually motivate a patient, uh, add that touch of realism to be in the 10% survival group. So there's been a lot of recent press, particularly in the UK from the Macmillan Group, um, published about cancer survival figures there. And they said, although that there's been some dramatic improvement in some kinds of cancer, I think breast and colon were right up there um, in the last 40 years. To quote them, they said, there's been a woeful lack of investment in in others adding that Apache progress in some areas meant it was still a survival lottery so I'd be interested in your comments on this um, and of course in relation to what the test may be able to do for people in that terms of helping them to become survivors and thrivers
3: okay uh, I think one of the uh, one of the big things uh, as a comparison to look at is over the past 55 years from 1950 to about Uh, 2005, heart disease has declined by about 65%, which is not bad. However, in the same 55 years, the uh, cancer mortality has only decreased by about 5%. And that's not saying a whole lot, especially if you had an investment that only returned that kind of a, a return. So you know, the, and, and, you know, the fact that we have more of a disease care system rather than a true health care system is extremely uh, important because I think that's probably one of the, one of the reasons why we, we are still stuck in this, uh, you know, roller coaster that just, you know, just keeps going over and over again. But as far as the studies that I have been able to come up with over the years, there was a real good one that was done and published in the Clinical Oncology Uh, in 2004, it was a study of every randomized controlled clinical trial performed in the U.S. from 1990 to 2004, and uh, that claimed a a statistical significant improvement in the five-year survival rate. So, you know, when you look at this, it's quite, you know, it's not that much, but colon was, say, 1%, the breast was 1.4%. But the testicular and Hodgkins are those that actually uh, performed at 37 and 40 percent. So that you know that helps the whole. If you take everything, all the all the numbers, that helps elevate a lot of those numbers. But those mm-hmm. two were the ones that had the biggest. And uh, you know, cervical about 12 percent. So what this means is, by doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting to get a you know a different result obviously is not working and, you know, uh, and never will. That's, they call that insanity, I believe, is to just do it over and over. So <laughs> the test that we use, what it allows us to do is find out what the enemy or the cancer is actually doing, how it's operating, which pathways are they accessing out of the, you know, the, the uh, 61 that are or 60 uh, pathways that are tested. How are they doing what they're doing? What's making it work for them? And then to design a program with uh, natural substances, and if chemo is necessary, at least you have an idea of the right chemo that works over what we call 80% effective, which means it kills 80% of the cells. So by working that way, we have seen a big increase in, in the quality of life, <clears throat> as well as uh, you know the uh, the extension. And and again, there's. No, there's nothing out there that is going to work 100% on everybody every time. So that's why the individual patient uh, needs to be looked at as an individual. And the 500 tests we've done, I have never seen two that have been the same. Even with, uh, we just got through seeing a, a brother brothers that had prostate cancer, and 75 to 80% of what came back on the studies was different between the two brothers with the exact same cancer diagnosed at the exact same time. So it goes into the thing of epigenetics. So.
1: Yeah, I think that um, touches upon uh, some very interesting things. I'd just like you to enlarge for our listeners a little bit more on the chemosensitivity test and um, kind of how that works simplistically and um, what the expectation is from it. You talked about the the 80% effectiveness of killing the cells. So kind of in layman's terms, could you explain that for our listeners?
3: I will do my very best. What we have on the chemosensitivity part, we he will actually take uh, approximately uh, 50, 49 to 50 of the drugs that are most commonly used in the U.S. and Europe. And some of them are not used here, but most of them are. I would say probably 95% of the drugs are used here. So uh, what he will do is he will take their cells, he will grow literally millions and millions of cells from that one blood supply, which may only contain 5 or 10 cancer cells. By him being able to grow these and you know, just a few short hours... uh, what we call the Hayflick limit, the the limit that a, a cancer cell can usually grow when it's taken out of the body is generally maybe four to six divisions, then it dies. That's why the majority of the people cannot do all this extensive testing. So he will grow your cells in huge quantities and then test each individual chemo against six treatments with each drug that he tests. That way he can see, because most of the chemo regimes are based around, you know, four to six treatments, so you want to see, does it actually keep killing the cancer cells day after day or dose after dose? And if it does, then you've got cells that you know are very, very sensitive and more than not are very, very, we see a lot of the, more of the cancers are extremely uh, resistant to the point where the first dose is about the only thing that kills them. And then these cancer cells, I guess you could think of it as they could, you know, swim in the chemo after that. They could eat it, drink it, play in it, and it has (laughs) no effect on them whatsoever.
1: Yeah. That's how we
3: design that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a really useful tool because I think a lot of people these days are are terrified. They've seen the chemotherapy of the old days, um, which was really pretty dramatic. And I have many patients come through uh, my clinic who are, really petrified of having chemotherapy because they saw their aunt or their uncle, you know, have a very unpleasant death and a very poor quality of life. So, you know, what you're saying here is, is this, this is a way through for um, enhancing patients' well-being at the same time as killing the cancer.
3: Yes, and like uh, part of it too is when the higher the drug works, the higher percentage of kill, obviously what we also see is a tremendous decrease in the side effects even though they're still going to be there just because you know it's a poison and it's crazy to use something poisonous uh, without knowing which one works for you. So by knowing that, they also have a, a pretty significant decrease in the side effects. And that in, in itself is a blessing.
1: And I believe these are also used for looking at natural substances in the same way. Um, so could you talk about that? And also... If you could comment on one of the issues that I've uh, encountered myself with these tests is we have ex vivo and in vivo, and uh, one of the criticisms can be that, well, because it's, um, it's in the laboratory, it probably isn't going to work in the patient.
3: Okay. Uh, the nutritional uh, products, the natural substances, just to give you a quick uh, example of a few uh, an aloe vera extract called polymenose extract. It was developed by a doctor here in uh, in the Dallas area, a, a physician and uh, an instructor at one of the med schools for 30 years and retired. But with that, quercetin, superartemisinin, laotril is tested, mistletoe, mangosteen, IV form of ascorbic acid. So melatonin, a lot of these are tested from natural sources. Now, there, there's a big difference, and, and again, and Dr. Pepsteria will definitely admit this, this is not the same as being in the body. However, some of the studies done, uh, you know, uh, over the years have shown that seven to t- there's 7 to 10 times higher probability that if it works in an ex vivo, uh, which is not the same as an in vitro. In vitro just means it's, you know, uh, it's totally, uh, you know, just, uh, it's, it may not even be the individual cells, because in vitro can be the cell lines, which are automatically, because they're cell lines and they've been used and gone through so many passages, are so sensitive to literally just about everything. So that's why by the time you take a, individual cells, grow them, and then do the ex vivo study, which means it's... It's the live cell out of the living body put into a situation. Now, you don't have all the body physiology and everything and the liver, and you don't have all that going on. But even the studies still show that you have at least a 7 to 10 times better chance of everything working if you do that.
1: Okay. Uh, that's really very interesting. Um with the, with the natural substances that are tested, uh, what does it actually show that those natural substances do?
3: Well, what we, we had, we've had to make some changes, and we did that the first part of this year. They went into effect. What we do is we do three classes of natural substances. One of them is what we call cytotoxic. It means that the cancer cells, the way these uh, nutrients and natural substances have been supposed to work is by killing the cell. Then we do another group uh, called class twos, which are immunostimulants, and immunomodulators, and these can either stimulate or downregulate or upregulate the immune system. And then class threes are those that have to do with uh, growth factors, because cancer will mutate the natural cell's genes that say, go away, stop growing, don't get out of hand, they mutate it to their favor so they can grow faster and reproduce faster, and, and, and therefore you increase the tumor size. So that all being said, on these three classes, what we're doing is we're measuring one thing only because the, eye, the, the biggest problem to the immune system is tumor burden. And it can be just a 2-millimeter or 5-millimeter tumor. You don't think it's that big, but that plays havoc on your immune system. So our goal is, is to reduce tumor burden either in the primary tumor, in the primary tumor and in the bloodstream. So we look at what kills. So every time you look at a test, when, if you go on, on the website and you look at the test, you will see like 35% or 50% or something. That is interpreted by whichever pathway they work. It still looks at how many of the cancer cells are actually killed. So it's the the apoptosis rate, in essence, is what we're looking at of all these uh, supplements and uh, natural uh, substances.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for those very, very clear answers for our listeners. Um, We're going to have to take a break, and I wonder if you would be gracious enough to actually come back after the break because I have many more questions for you, and I'm sure that they're going to be questions that will really help our listeners.
3: Okay, I I would be pleased to. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Ray. We are going for a break on navigating the cancer maze. I'm Grace Gawler, and we will be back soon.
2: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's
0: Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvung-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-Clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490
2: 7443 Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Guller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegahler.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer
1: Maze. We're back with Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gahler, and my guest today is Dr. Ray Hammond. Who has a multidisciplinary practice. He's chiropractor, naturopathic medicine, homeopathy, acupuncture, and uh, multiple IV therapies. So welcome back, Dr. Ray, and thank you for talking with us in this last session. Um, I'm sure our listeners are finding this a really very interesting contribution to their recovery.
3: Thank you for what all you're doing.
1: Dr. Ray, I'd like to ask you about the test uh, process. If someone wants to have a test done, um, what's the process of doing that? How do they get the referral? Who do they contact? And um, what are the logistics that are involved and how long does it take to come back, etc.? Okay. The
3: biggest problem is there are some tests that are, are offered where the patient just, you know, goes and has blood drawn and they personally package everything up. However, this test is... Uh, much more involved as far as having to make sure it's a, it's a time-sensitive issue. <clears throat> the, uh, you know, the test has to be put into a special preservative and keep the cells alive, and that is a, a process. So what you have to do is see a, a physician who does this type of work, and we have set up over this past uh, year and a half, we've set up a, a referral base for the doctors in the U.S. and Canada that do this type of work so that you can call if you go to the website, I can give you an email that you can send to and we can send you information of doctors perhaps in that area. We're, we can't wait till we get you know uh, 15, 20, 30 in each state so that you know it'll be easy to go find one. But if uh, the uh, Maria maRIA at RGccusa.com, if you will send an email asking for someone in your area, then she can uh, get that information and send it back to you. So hopefully we'll we'll have someone in that area. But the fact, uh, the way the test has to be done, it is a time sensitive uh, matter. And uh, what was the second part that you wanted me to address? Oh, the
1: logistics actually, Dr. Ray. What actually happens once the blood's taken and it's put in the preservative? What happens then?
3: <laughs> okay, after we do that, then. It's uh, it's packed in ice, never frozen, and that's one of the things that we get in trouble with because some of the groups say it's okay to freeze theirs, and it's not if you want to keep those cells alive and viable. So we you, we recommend just ice, and then that's packaged, and it's mailed to, uh, to Greece, and all the studies, all the testing is done in Greece, uh, in Florina. So we have nothing to do with that, but our job is... Uh, We get information, we get sheets of paper that come back to us from the doctors saying when they mailed it so we have a number so we can track. And our work with Greece is to work with the physicians to create a referral base and to make sure that your specimen gets there in a timely manner. So that way, you know, we have uh, one uh, one or two individuals that will just track and make sure everything is going through uh, on a timely manner so it doesn't get held up, sometimes in Customs. It may get held up, and they need a, a question asked because a form wasn't filled out properly or something. So now all the doctors will be getting a video of everything they're supposed to do, how the forms are supposed to be filled out and packed, so we will make it easier even for them uh, for their first time or two using it. After you do it two or three times, it's not a problem. But that is uh, how that gets over, how the test gets there. And it takes on the average of about seven to ten working days to get the results Uh, emailed back to the physician that ordered
1: the test. Great. Um, The email that you gave out, does that also work globally for anyone who's listening to the show? I have had emails from Riyadh, from Dubai, from England, from India. Um, So Voice America obviously goes out a long way. Um, So that email or RGCC would also work for international people?
3: No, it it doesn't. However, we can give it to them, but I would recommend that they go on to uh, the uh, site, uh, this other site for the uh, actual lab out of Greece. They have a list. There's uh, essentially six different representatives throughout the world at this point. We have them in Hungary. We have them in uh, Australia. We have them in, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Middle East, Africa and Europe, all through Europe, North and South, uh, uh, Central Europe. So there's a lot of different ones. And I will give this email for anyone that's interested. And it is uh, www.rgcc-genlab.com. That way you can go. And on there is all the, if anyone's listening from any of those countries, then all they have to do is go there and they can find the representative and who to contact there.
1: Great. Thank you for that. Um just want to talk a, bit, a little bit here about patients and um and their choices. There's a big thing in cancer um, of knowing and not knowing and telling and not telling cancer patients. Sometimes that's the physician's choice and other times it's the patient's choice not to know because of the fear that surrounds cancer. So do you think that patients will certainly do better or make different choices if they were told more information and educated about the genetic nature of cancer?
3: Well, I can say from from seeing all the patients we've seen over the years, yes, it does. It gives them uh, you know, it gives them that, that uh, emotional satisfaction that, yes, I know what it's doing and I know what I need to do to help, you know, counteract that to whatever degree they can. So that, that gives them hope. And I do have patients. I had one Ph.D. psychologist that was highly suspicious, was almost sure she had cancer, and she told me straight up when I mentioned the test and explained it, she says, I do better not knowing. I haven't heard back from her, and this has been several years ago, so I don't know her state or if she's doing okay. But that is true. A lot of people don't want to know, and and they do. They seem to do better. So, in those people, we can still prepare kind of a generic program, which is based on the items that we have found over the years uh, that work for that patient from a uh, from a natural nutritional standpoint for that type of cancer. Now, I don't know if that's the problem because you don't know how well these are going to work and really, truly, even if they're going to work. But if that's all they want to do, then we can certainly offer that to them. But it does empower the patient to make a much better choice. And the oncologists, we've had several, several surgeons, several oncologists that have been really intrigued and have sent us patients to do the test on simply because they cannot do it based on the standard of care and the powers that be. So they will send them to us to draw the blood and they will use the test to help guide them even in the chemos.
1: Dr. Ray, if people want to contact you, we're coming up to about two minutes left in our show today. Um, I'd like you to finish on a little positive story, a short one if you can, but if people want to contact you, how do they do that?
3: Uh, Through the same thing, just use uh, the uh, Maria at RGCC USA. She will will move everything around. She will get it to me.
1: Okay, fantastic. So for people who have used uh, GCC tests, have you got a a little positive story to finish on? Because, uh, you know, it can be scary talking about CTCs and uh, circulating tumour stem cells because people may have thought, you know, their tumours have all gone. So... Any little positive story you could leave us oh, with?
3: Yes. Uh, if I can talk fast, I might be able to get three of them in. But anyway, <laughs> we, we uh, I had one uh, patient, Maureen. Uh, we'll go by first name, 49-year-old female nurse practitioner. She was diagnosed on 4-2005 ele- uh, 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 with two of three lymph nodes positive, invasive lobular carcinoma. She had a lumpectomy times two, biopsies times three, and she had three occurrences. On the third reoccurrence, uh, reoccurrence, she was told that she was going to have to have a bilateral mastectomy, chemo, radiation. She refused and wanted to do a less invasive treatment. So we started working with her, and within uh, one year, her cell count, right first, was 8.3 cells per 7.0 mils of blood. That is high for cancer. What we call the index number of cells that are out there. So that was fairly high in uh, uh, 2007 when we did the test. And by uh, by uh, 3 of 14 of 08, which was actually a little, probably a little less than a year, she went to zero. Now, she had positive signs of both stem cells and tumor cells. So in that length of time, by changing her lifestyle, still maintaining a, bu- a busy practice as a uh, nurse practitioner, she was able to reduce the 8.3 i mean the 3 uh 8.32 uh 0 and that's fantastic yeah and i will say real quick that one of the problems is that we know the only common denominator i found over the years is how people handle their stress that causes these cells to reemerge which hers did because her daughter had a real serious cancer and she tried to take care of her and lost her so then we saw this increase in her numbers because they were dormant and our goal is to have the patient die with the cancer not from the cancer and basically get to the point where they they live a good lifestyle they do all the lifestyle things because that is that is the long term fix
1: and the That is a great way to finish. <laughs> yeah. We've run out of time, Dr. Ray. Thank you so, so much because I think this has been a very, very valuable um, session for patients navigating the cancer maze. And we'll be back. That's a pleasure. We'll be back next week with navigating the cancer maze.
0: Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone.